This podcast is sponsored by Rick Moyer. Broadcast from the centre of England, this is Waffle On about Jerry Anderson. Who? In the wide world of sports, did you get that from? <laughs> that was a, a, a remix of a remix, remix. <laughs> of a, a theme done by Rob Scalise over in New York City. Is it New York City, man? Well, only called people come from New York City. I don't think it's New York. I think it's come from Florida originally. But uh, but still, oh. thank you very much, Rob. Uh, we're going to post a little bit of stuff about Rob on the website. And the reason why I can't actually say uh, what he does, as he does like Star Trek uh, music for um, audio plays and. Oh, Wait, you're talking then it was some kind of a secret what, service secret service or, or even a porn theme tune <laughs> yeah, uh, no the reason is is because we're out of the studio we're out and about and uh, I don't have anything with me that helps me do this podcast well uh, you know really good planning as usual our, our podcast <laughs> getting better as they go on <laughs> so sarcasm then, uh, sarcasm first of all let's get some housekeeping out of the way first of all as uh, Cal said to begin the show this, uh, this one is uh, sponsored by the kind donation of Mr Rick Moyer and if anyone wants to throw us some money just hit the PayPal donation button on the website it's entirely up to you um, we don't care uh, we've also got a Facebook page anyway. not we have we? Yeah. Oh yeah, we have. What do you mean? Have we got it? Oh yeah, yeah. I realise that. I forgot. And uh, we've got sixty-two people. Woo! And some of them are not my friends. Look, but you are there because you're lovely. So if anyone would like to uh, join our group, uh, we tend to put up posts every day and uh, what we're going to be talking about and just general conversation um, on there. So uh, just head to Facebook and type in Waffle on Podcast, and you'll find us there. Um, Anything else we want to talk about? Oh, we've got a comment. We've got an audio is it, comment. Is it my mate? <laughs> no, it's not Mike. Ah, oh, Mike, in send morning. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not taking them piece. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Like sound. Um, so, uh, Mike, you've let us down. Talk mm. about letting us down, dear me. Um, no, we've got a comment, an MP3 from Ian Wilson. Now I haven't heard this. Either, you have heard and so Ian... if he comes on here abusing me, now I'm off. <laughs> I'm quitting live on air. <laughs> uh, Ian is one of the uh, one of the hosts, two hosts, and from the For Your Ears Only podcast, a fantastic podcast about Bond. So let's play Ian's thoughts. Greetings to you, my Midlands cousins, over at the Waffle On podcast. It is Ian here from For Your Ears Only. I wanted to thank you fine fellows for uh, plugging the Bond podcast that I host, along with my crazy lunatic friend, uh, Adam, uh, on, for, well, first of all, your mini waffle, and then I heard it again on your most recent Doctor Who episode. So, cheers for that, and I'm glad that we can take some of your listener base very happy to have them yeah so in response to meds as he's calling himself <laughs> hitting me up on facebook and uh, professing his love of your is only i thought i should do the same for waffle on if only i could <laughs> just kidding no uh, <laughs> i've to date managed to listen back to the past three full episodes the one on Doctor Who which was interesting because you guys have actually lived through Doctor Who uh, from a a British perspective rather than the podcast over at the Earth 2 fraternity bigger on the inside in which uh, Fury is only a part of and as a result it's uh, it was a very interesting listen then I got the political satire episode and uh, I'm all for that partially because our politicians deserve uh, satire to be fair and British television has a long career of uh, producing albeit short but brilliant uh, pieces of satirical television Brass Eye is a particular favourite but I don't think you listed anything I haven't really liked or not heard of Uh, 
can't really say I've, I liked This Was the Week That Was because um, I was born in 1985. It's clearly way over my head. And then I got to the episode on the state of British television. And I know I'm a bit late to the party, but you did say if there were any conflicting opinions about people wanting to stick up for the state of television, then send them in. And uh, I think I'm going to do that. Now, I should preface this by saying I don't watch a lot of TV, and as as most of the people who contributed to that episode said, I also enjoy American TV. I've got the box set of House Seasons 1 through 4 right here by my computer. And, yeah... I'm going to say that I think there was some slightly blinkered views on the BBC <laughs> throughout. Um, that's, that's not to be offensive or anything, but I think that because your, th- your main focus was mainly comedy and drama specifically, which I'm going to say is perhaps not incredibly strong in terms of output for the BBC at the moment... There is some stuff on the BBC that I will definitely turn on a television to watch, which is no mean feat, because normally I'll do iPlayer or I'll just ignore it. Um, And some of it's an acquired taste, I'll admit. Um, Total Wipeout at the moment is is probably my favourite show on television. Um, Because it's it's got the kind of... um, you know, Saturday night entertainment feel that I used to have growing up in the 90s, and it's not the best show in the world, but it's definitely entertaining, and it it came in the time slot before Hole in the Wall, which I joked was my favourite show. Now, that is an absolutely terrible show, but at the same time, I, I couldn't stop watching it. It was fantastic. I even saw Marcus Brigstock, uh, satirical uh, or political satire guy, of course, um, from Radio 4's The Now Show and the late edition, which he does on BBC4. He was taking part on Hole in the Wall, and that blew my mind. And, you know, as we talk about Total White, it was uh, Top Gear. That's an incredible show. And the sports coverage. To be honest, I don't have all that much of a problem with the BBC. And that's despite me failing repeatedly to try and get a job with them for six months after I graduated. Uh, Even there, I do not bear them all that ill will. I don't think TV's in a good state, though. Even if I got a bit riled up by whoever said, oh, the BBC's really in uh, the government's pocket. The the government hate the BBC (laughs) quite a lot. They were really glad when the whole Ross Brand thing came along and uh, the BBC self-flagellated themselves once more. Anyway, this is going far too long, so uh, I'll sign off uh, (laughs) this thing just by saying um, I've been really entertained with what I've heard from you guys thus far. Do please keep it up. I will keep listening in. And uh, I think you've even inspired me to make up a promo because the promos that I have listened to have made me listen to... Okay, just the one new podcast in the uh, Anomaly podcast, but that was entertaining as well, so... uh, on the merits of that, they've gained a listener, and uh, I'm probably going to knock up a promo the next time me and Adam get together to record for your ears only. So, signing off, gentlemen. Uh, enjoy things as much as hu- as humanly possible in the West Midlands. Farewell. Okay, that was a comment from uh, Ian Wilson from For Your Ears Only, Cal. Fair play to you. Fair play to you. Uh, but, um, <laughs> oh, no, I... You know, he's wrong on a couple of things. He, he's wrong. I'd say, well, not wrong. It's just his opinion. But you, you talk, no, but factual. Wise. Yeah, fa- talk about um, you know, Wipeout. Wipeout is a syndicated show. It's done in about a thousand different countries around the world. They well, talking, no, it's done in. No, I'm oh, being. I'm oh, being, right. I'm being exaggerating. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that. You know, you can see that they don't even. Well, the film, it's not even. In, no, the studio's not even. It's just 
they must have loads of different TV companies going in well, and out, like a conveyor belt. Wipeout is actually it's filmed in Argentina oh. and it's uh, syndicated originally originally designed in America. Actually, it's an American program filmed in Argentina. Although the British version is actually filmed in a slightly different set than the American one because they've, they've built their set up. It's all studied in Argentina and it's done by Endemol and we all know who Endemol is. Edmonds. And as is called Total Wipeout because it can't be called Wipeout because yeah. Wipeout was a quiz show presented by... Which I did love, but Mr Paul Daniels. <laughs> Paul Daniels. Oh, it's magic. Oh, look no, it's not. Not Paul yes, Daniels, what are you talking about? Yeah, Paul Daniels, isn't it? No, it weren't. It was uh, Bob Monkhouse. He was Bob Monk. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Bob. Bob. <laughs> you know why? Because we were talking about Wisby earlier. On. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, as for Hole in the Wall, that's a. It was basically a Japanese show called Human Tetris, and they just basically took it wholesale and bought it out. So basically, it was about saving money. Uh, it's, you know, I, I don't well, mind. Well, pe- they are. I mean, they are. They're not original programs, which is the whole yeah, point of the state. I, I don't mind people liking it, but you know, he was. I saying like it, Total Wipeout though, because I, I, yeah, I see like, his time of that. I think what he's saying is right. You know, he doesn't watch a lot of TV. Mm. Fair, fair enough. Because it's you know, crap. I do. I watch a lot of TV, and I want more from the BBC. I know you say, well, because it's not as if you're getting it for free. This no. is the thing. Mm-hmm. I pay for it. I pay for Sky. I get what I want from Sky. I get lost. I get. I get Fringe. What yeah. do I get from BBC? And Top Gear. Top Gear, which isn't as good as it's it was. It's not as good as it used to be. It's all about, it's, a, it's an entertainment show now. You don't watch it if you're into cars. I will point out, James May is making a house out of Lego. That's going to be amazing. That's going to be amazing. So well, fair play to his comment, I mate. Know, you know, and, I mean, he's, and he's right. And, uh, and thanks a lot. For, it could have been worse. It could have been his mate Adam uh, sending in a comment. Oh, seriously, I'd have to have bleeped virtually everything that guy would have said. He's got bad language. <laughs> He's brilliant now. Uh, he had it coming. Um, okay, so let's get on to our podcast. Thanks, uh, Ian. I uh, hope we hear off you again. Send us your promo. Um, so we're going to be talking about Jerry Anderson. Now, Jerry Anderson, Cal, your thoughts on Jerry Anderson? Because we grew up in the, the 70s and the 80s. Yeah. So uh, before we actually talk a little bit about Jerry Anderson, what's, what's your initial impression of when you think of Jerry Anderson? Uh, show-wise, I think when I first think it's Space 1999, mm. that was the show. See, I didn't like his puppet stuff. Yeah, I like his UFO, hmm. and that's what I like, uh, especially Space 1999. Because I thought, oh my god, is it going to be amazing when the Earth's going to be like in 1999? No, he was seriously wrong, wasn't Even he? Prince Let's be was honest way out about it. He <laughs> just had the most crazy storyline about uh, you know about someone being on the moon and the moon getting a colony being blasted to the other side of the universe, then trying to make their way back. A la Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And of course, uh, scientifically, it wouldn't be. No, I don't think you could fly the moon around. I can't <laughs> see ever people ever flying the moon. Unless you Roger Moore <laughs> in Moonraker. Yeah. But, great. Okay, so Jerry Anderson, MBE, was born on the 14th of April, 1929. Good Lord, so he's. 80 years old what uh, British producer the writer and he's mainly uh, famous for coming up with Super Mario Nation now uh, he was actually born Gerald Alexander Abrams um, they changed his name uh, originally from I'm not even going to say it's right Bielogoszewski which is a Russian Polish name huh? and, uh, and they, then they changed it from Abrams then to of course Anderson so let's just jump straight into it uh, Anderson really came into Tebow in the 1950s um, and you know did some low stuff he, he met cameraman Arthur Provis um, and also Sylvia Pham uh, who obviously became later on Sylvia Anderson mm-hmm. eh? he had an affair um, Ooh, <laughs> and uh, he come up with AP Films Anderson and Provis Films um, their first television venture was produced by Granada Television uh, created by Roberta Lay it was the Adventures of Twizzle 1957 Ooh, to God I don't know that no, I don't. And thankfully, we don't have the theme tune. Uh, <laughs> this is a series for young children about the ability to twizzle her arms and legs to greater lengths. It was Anderson's first with puppets, and at the start of his sex, sex, <laughs> successful collaborations with puppeteer Christine Glanville and special effects technician Derek Meddings. That name rings a bell. Yeah, because you know why? Because you, you, when you were younger, you used to tell everyone it was your uncle. That's why. That's why. That's Look, why. It stopped me from getting bullied at school. <laughs> and the composer arranger Barry Gray. Now we've got a comment about um, Barry Gray uh, from Rob Scullies, who did the theme tune for. Um, this Waffle On episode and we'll be playing that later on I'm just hoping that I've got it on the laptop because I know it's at home so anyway the first uh, major TV programme they did was Supercar 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 
a supercar theme tune there. Um, the plot of this show concerns supercar, a vertical takeoff and landing craft invented by Rudolf Popkiss and Horatio Beaker and piloted by the wonderfully named Mike Mercury. It's a good name. It sounds like someone out of a Gary, out of Gary Glitter band. Mm. I don't remember it at all. No, so, what year was that? This was 1961. <laughs> Just kicking the table for effect. Uh, yeah, no, 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 it wasn't. <laughs> uh, and 39, there was 39 episodes. There's a bit of a continuous theme with this. There seems to be 39 episodes of everything that Jerry Anderson does. Um, it was in black and white. Now, I, I've seen stills, and I think I'm sure I've seen the actual theme tune opening, but I, I don't remember anything else really of it. Yeah. How long before... Um Fireball XL5, was he? Well, Fireball XL5 came up next. Um, that was in 1962, another 39 episodes of that. Um, Fireball was set between the years 2062 and 2063. Ironically, they could get that one right, but not the 1999. Yeah, that's true. But I, I did used to watch that, because it was repeated when I was a, a wee kid. And I did used to like that, man, because it had rockets in it. OK, we were going to play the theme tune to, um, to Fireball XL5, but the one that we've got... Doesn't sound quite as we remember it. No, we've just been talking about this. We don't know if we've created a theme tune in our head. <laughs> See, we're not going to sing because it's not a singing podcast. And, and to be fair, you don't want to hear it. But this, <laughs> it's not the Righteous Brothers. <laughs> oh, they're Dangerous Brothers. Yeah, they're not Righteous. <laughs> yeah, we just don't, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. We don't know if we're just saying then, if we've got it a bit mixed up with a theme tune to, to Stingray. Stingray and we're singing Full Exile 5 yeah. over the Stingray. Thing. Now, if anyone's out there, uh, we seem to. Does the, the theme that we've got here, which we're not going to play because it just seems to be a load of yeah, uh, rocket engines going yeah, off and just, dun 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 yeah. stuff, but not the uh, Fireball. Da, 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 no, that but, kind of. No. Anyway, let's talk about it. Um, yeah, Fireball XL5, set between years 2062 to 2063. The series features the missions of Spaceship Fireball XL5, commanded by Colonel Steve Zodiac of the World Space Patrol. Mm. It's a good name. It's it, 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 great yeah. for the names. There is the glamorous Dr. Venus, mm. middle-aged navigator and engineer Professor Matthew Matic, and Zodiac's co-pilot Robert the Robot. Another Robbie the Robot. Robot, there. Robbie the Robot, yeah. Mm. For that, you know, enjoy that. I was watching um thingy last week, uh, uh, what's he called now? What? Uh, for, uh, Forbidden Planet. Forbidden Planet. I was watching mm. it the other day. It's an amazing film, isn't it? Oh, I watched but, it for yeah, girls. Yeah, Leslie great. Nielsen's in it as it's well. It's a great film, though. It's, just, it's got some really funny bits in it. <laughs> I, do, I digress. <laughs> and the uh, only thing about the, the, the Robert the Robot in this was uh, it was the only character that was voiced by Jerry Anderson himself. Uh, uh, although with an artificial larynx dingy, what's he called, that you stick on it. Uh, you can't believe Stephen. we've got Stephen Hawkins to do it. can't, can you? <laughs> Well, The Simpsons have having dinner. Yeah, yeah, it's just, a, it's just an easy joke, isn't it? <laughs> Lord, it is again. Now, Fireball was based at Space City, located on an unnamed island in the South Pacific, headquarters of the World Space Patrol, headed by Commander Zero. Something that uh, we'll go back to the island later on. They're all quite similar, really. What's it called? Space City? It was, uh, lo- yeah, based at Space City. Now, obviously, <laughs> all these Earth thought then have gone into the names, Zodiac. What? what <laughs> you've only got no more ideas left. What are you going to call this place? Oh, no, Space. <laughs> <laughs> well, following up from uh, Fireball was Stingray, uh, 1964, and had 39 episodes. Now, Stingray was the first uh, Super Mario Nation show to be filmed actually in colour. Do you remember much about Stingray? Um... Yeah, I do, because I was a big fan when it was a kid, the voice at the bottom of the sea, and that was, you know, the same kind of ilk. Mm. And I remember Aquamarine. Yeah, Aquamarine, I know, um, she was the, the lead lady in this uh, in this programme. Now, unfortunately, uh, because we, 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 well, we obviously we're recording a Jerry Anderson thing now, I was at a beer festival. Um, what, uh, you? <laughs> with your reputation? <laughs> a couple of weeks ago with, uh, with Peter, who joined us with the um, Statire. Uh, episode the satire the satire <laughs> the satire uh, episode along with your sister Sue and uh, husband Tim uh, Tim knows someone I'm not going to say who who knows a woman who was involved with Jerry Anderson and apparently allegedly quote make sure we don't get sued do you mean involved as in <laughs> um, I'm not even going to say what you're doing um, <laughs> apparently that she was the actual person who um, was the inspiration for Aquamina not um, Ursula Andress, as many people believe. Although it could have I been. I think it's a, a compliment to the lady, though. That <laughs> spider was a woman who lived yeah, in the sea. Yeah, I'm going to be fishy. 
You had something great stuff. Imagine yeah, saying yeah. that, and then I was oh, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, I love you so much. I read a cake that's about you, and she's a bit like a fish. <laughs> oh, dear. Keep double entendre to ourselves. Uh, now, the interesting thing about um, Stingray was this was the first time that the marionettes, the uh, puppies I use, had interchangeable heads, so they had different facial expressions. Um, Stingray is a highly sophisticated combat submarine built for speed and maneuverability. Uh, I have a guess as well. Oh, it's a flagship of the World <laughs> Aquanaut Security Patrol, otherwise known as WASP. That's <laughs> <laughs> not that great, really, is it? Well, a 21st century security organisation based at Marineville in the year 2065. So it's a year after Stingray. Mm. And uh, she's capable of a speed up to 600 knots. There you go. I remember the one with um, there was a Loch Ness monster one, <laughs> but you know what? In this country, you know, if anything to do with water, you're going to mention the Loch Ness monster. Why? I don't, I don't know because we're obsessed with the Loch Ness monster. Even elephant. It's, that is true. Uh, that fo- the photograph you mean? I think is, it was uh, an elephant in the water calling off. Yeah, this does look like a big trunk. Because it? because there was a, calling the, off. No, there was, you know, the, do you want to know the, right? There was a circus in town right at the time, mm. and um, it, used to, it was really hot. Weekend that weekend, and the zookeeper took his by well, the circus thing, yeah. took his thingy down to bathe in the water. Oh, right. Someone drove back yeah. and took a picture, and that's why it's going out. He and he's just water. having a swim. Yep, there you go. Did he get out? I don't know. Well, there was. We were signing autographs. I don't know. It's, it's a good story, though, isn't it? It is a good story. No. <laughs> 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 Leaving your drug-addled mind over there. Uh, we'll go on to the next one. Of course, now this next um, series that Jerry Anderson um, created is probably one of his most famous, and of course. That is Thunderbirds. And we can play the theme tune to this one. Is it the proper one? (laughs) I hope so. I like the way that you was conducting your fingers to that theme tune. Mm, I was, yeah. Do you like that theme tune? Uh, yeah, it's alright. I don't really like Thunderbirds, so. They, oh, really? Why? <laughs> no, it, just, it was never. Uh, oh, then we were talking about this a bit earlier, weren't we? When we should have been working. Um, <laughs> it was just I don't know when I was uh, when I was young and watching that. It's just he was just too nice. He mm. was just a bit too nice. The people, the night, the good people were really good, and the bad people were really bad. I don't know. I like it a bit. I don't know. It just never. They always ended up talking about the problems at the end. They'd always yeah. talk their way out of a problem. I thought, well, just is... get your gun out and shoot it. <laughs> that's what I wanted. <laughs> when I was 11 years old, that's what I wanted to. It was, never my, it was just never my thing. Well, you know, I mean, I was quite fascinated by the, really, let's face it, Thunderbird number two. Uh, but it was the, it was the things that not the people care yeah, about the people it was oh, no, the Thunderbirds no. wasn't it, it was yeah it was like having a ship that could I like the hood in it he was cool yeah he was cool yeah. basically that was just Telly Savalas wasn't it Telly and Fingy was absolutely brilliant in the film of him uh, old uh, Gander Ben Kingsley yeah he was brilliant uh, well, Sexy Beast yeah he was brilliant no, 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 he was no. brilliant he was brilliant as the hood <laughs> okay the Thunderbirds 1965-1966-32episodes-the-show-depicts-the-adventures-of-the-Tracy-family-which-consists-of-millionaire-former-astronaut-Jeff-Tracy-I'm-not-being-funny-like-how-did-he-become-a-millionaire-being-an-astrona
And an interesting fact about the names of each of the uh, pilots on Thunderbirds there is that each one is named after a Mercury astronaut. Now that's actually, for our podcast, that's actually quite interesting. It is, again, very typical, topical with the uh, 40th anniversary of the moon landing. You've got uh, Scott Carpenter, Virgil Grissom, Alan Shepard, Gordon Cooper, and of course, John Glenn. Mm. So what came after, oh, we've got to mention uh, Lady Penelope and Parker. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, because they were quite a popular character, and even though I thought that was a bit crap. Lady Penelope, uh, voiced by, of course, the wife, Sylvia Anderson, and Parker. Parker. Uh, he was probably the best singer in it, I thought. Mm-hmm. That car was rubbish. Yeah, people used to love that, didn't they? And yeah. I think, well, no. And before we go on to um, the next one, and uh, just sticking with Thunderbirds slightly, did you see the film with Jonathan Frakes? I did, that's, I, I did, yeah. What did you think of it? Uh... I suppose if you're under twelve, it's great, but it's mm. not an adult. It is a proper children's film, which it would, which I've got no. So it should be. Mm. Thunderbirds was for children. Yeah, I'm you not know what I mean. I'm actually seen. Nah, show. it's all right. It's all right. Okay, Captain Scarlet and the Mr. Ones theme tune there, 1960, and there was 32 episodes of that. Uh, Cal, Captain Scarlet, Captain Scarlet. Yeah, I'd say it was my um, favourite uh, Jerry Anderson mm. one. Just because, I don't know, even when I was a kid, it just had a darkness to it, and I, I don't know, there was any bit of an anti-hero, and I'm always mm. into anti-heroes. An interesting thing, do you think Captain Jack... Uh, of Doctor Who was taken a bit from Captain Scarlet. I think so, that with the indestructible um, points of view, yeah. I mean, uh, they never brought up the subject of uh, uh, the Highlander um, questions that we, you know, we always ask. Like, I mean, uh, obviously in Highlander you lose your head and yeah. that's how you die. Um, but no, I think, yeah, I think definitely so. Uh, I, you said the other day, actually, that you you thought this would make a really good film. I do. I, I can't believe they've not done I know they did that new CGI, that was new children's one. Mm, to yeah. me, I don't know, it lost a bit of the innocence about it and it turned it into just a generic... Now, I find that interesting that you say that because you're not a fan of um, Supermania Nation, I think that's how you say it, uh, yeah, yeah. puppet-wise. So, no, but I'm not uh, you, you thought you'd, I thought you would have actually have preferred that. No, I didn't. That, I don't right? know. I'm not, I, don't, I don't like to see it. I'm not a massive fan of CGI. If I was going to watch it, I want to watch it puppets. You know, I don't like it. Mainly because, as I've said before, because a bit of team because it's Team America, isn't it? I think the trouble is now, though, is because of the um, the uh, how well uh, Torchwood has done. I think um, you couldn't. I don't think you could do a Captain Scarlet no, because no. now people would turn around and say, "Isn't that just a ripoff of Torchwood?" Yeah, that's a shame, really, isn't it? It is. Really? But, you know, oh, I can't. Well, there it's you crap go. anyway, Torchwood. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Captain Scarlet and Mister Ones that, that ran for thirty-two episodes. There's a bit of a theme here where the, the, all of the earlier ones seem to be around about thirty-two episodes. I don't think that was deliberate, or that's just how how much he thought would. Uh, yeah. And if I wrap my brain, wasn't um, Captain Scarlet based on um, Cary Grant? Was well, yeah, the voice was uh, a mixture of Cary Grant and also, I think, um, Stuart Granger. Stuart Grant, he even looks like Cary Grant. He, do, he, he does, does look like yeah, Cary Grant, doesn't it's he? A, it's a great voice as well, and if I'd done my research properly, I'd be able to tell you who did the voice for <laughs> Captain yeah, Scarlet. But unfortunately, we're trying to keep this podcast down to an hour. Yeah, yeah, we're not, uh, not going to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Doctor Who, uh, two hours times. But yeah, just, just a little bit more about Captain Scarlet. I mean, did you say the darkness of it with, with the fact that the opening episode of Captain Scarlet yeah. it involves two deaths yeah I know I just uh, love that even as a kid it just really got me I thought oh that's cool yeah <laughs> on to one that's uh, slightly less cool for you but more cool for me is actually Joe 90 <laughs> Now that is what you call a funky theme tune. Yes, and it's pl- still played in nightclubs to this day as 
what a funky thing tune that was, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it's the, it's the last track to, to leaving yeah, the nightclub I've, I've been, to a, I've been that. to a few clubs where they've played it, and you never thought you'd have a children's theme tune playing at a nightclub where everyone's off the face. No, but I seem to remember they played it um, in Snobs, was it? Yeah, they yeah, it? they used to play it. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, a lot of the thing, a lot of mods like it because, you know... It's got that funky... It's got that, funky that, funky you know, it's it. got that 60s swing to it, hasn't it? Now, uh, Joe 90 was uh, from 1968 to 1969. There was actually 30 episodes of this. I'll give you a brief uh, run through of what it was. Uh, uh, again, get ready for the uh, <laughs> the names of everything. Uh, Joe's adoptive father and computer expert, Professor Ian Mac McLean, mm-hmm. uh, is the inventor of the big rat. That, that is terrible. <laughs> Brain impulse galvanoscope record and transfer. That stands for a device that allows knowledge and experience to be copied from the minds of top experts in. Their their field to another person. Max friend Sam Louver, a secret agent for the World Intelligence Network. Sam Louver. Louver. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the that's winner. Uh, persuades Mac to let Joe use the machine to work for Win. After the requisite skill is transferred and provided, Joe is wearing his special spectacles, which contain hidden electrodes. He's able to fly jet fighters, perform surgery, and so on, whilst appearing innocent in the eyes of his enemies um, I, I used to love Joe 90 you, I know what you like now you only could have glasses and, and, what, and actually ironically the glasses <laughs> I'm wearing at the moment are uh, uh, the, the, the uh, same any spe- ones as any specky so. people you'd always love them when you were a kid <laughs> yeah. well yeah uh, Clark, <laughs> Clark Kent um, I think that's about it isn't yeah, it really Dennis yeah. Taylor Dennis <laughs> Taylor for those people outside of the UK <laughs> he's a snooker player and I never had glasses like Dennis <laughs> no, no, no. Kev did but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so uh, you're not a fan of Joe Lange then apart from I, I, I it was sort of around the time it was being repeated like Jerry Anderson and stuff when we were kids obviously not when it was fun I just got a bit sick of it mm. I don't know it was just the only one that really like I'm going back to what we were just said the only one that really stood out to me was Captain Scarlet I found all the others just pretty they're all sort of the same. Mm. Did you watch Joe Knighty though? Or did you, did yeah, I you watched the just... repeats. I did watch yeah, the repeats. Yeah. It, I just, it just didn't do it for me. I just thought, oh, well, you know, it's just a little kid. I, I, mm. you know, I couldn't get behind a kid being a hero. I just couldn't. Even as a kid, I wanted my heroes which, to be which, adults. Yeah, which is, I mean, considering nowadays with children, uh, I mean, Potter, for an example, yeah, is, is the yeah. iconic yeah. kind of child. Like hero. me, though, you know, I don't like Harry Potter. No, you don't. I, as, I, as I, I really get, like Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, glasses, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope it's not because of young boys that you like. <laughs> oh, <it>. dear. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I'll leave that in just to show what kind of mind you have. Um, the, uh, the series after uh, Joe 90 was, uh, is actually. Uh, quite unknown it was uh, a thing called the Secret Service uh, made in 1969 it's actually strangely enough it's 13 episodes I'm looking for some Uh, the series follows your father Stanley Unwin a priest who moved a secret agent for an organisation called you'll like this one not Vicar Bishop (laughs) (laughs) which stands for uh, British Intelligence Service Headquarters Operation Priest uh, answering to a name a man, sorry, known only as the Bishop. Mm. Underwin is partnered with Matthew Harding, who works as his gardener as cover for his espionage work. Uh, this was actually voiced by Stanley Unwin, who I believe was a um, uh, almost a stand-up comedian. He was an actor actually, who um, uh, produced his own language, gobbledygook. No, I thought thing. it was just speaking backwards, but it wasn't, was no, it? No, no, no. It was actually his own words. He came up with this different. What language, easy uh, old hat that is, isn't it? Let's be honest. Well, about no, it. I didn't know. I mean, when you actually, I mean, he's not just going like, something stupid. He actually he's used proper words. Tongues, and, uh, but he could have been speaking well, in tongues. Well, well, maybe that was the reason why he he did the secret <laughs> yeah. service in his own year. Yeah, that's good point. In that. uh, who knows? Uh, but no, it wasn't uh, wasn't a very popular one. Although, uh, and in fact, I've, I, I think I've only ever seen one episode of that and only purely of a um, when they did a, a special Ferry Anderson a few years ago don't know um, yeah so that's a, not, not a well known one that Okay, so that was the um, TV theme tune for. Do you know? UFO. Oh. Oh, is that because uh, I told you, or is that because you're a clinic? Bit of both. Well, you're the fan of UFO. Yeah, I am yeah. a fan. Man, because like you with glasses, you have blonde hair. Ah. <laughs> and that's what it was. When I was at school, I, I used to get a lot of the. Pretty, like, took the piss out of me because I had blonde hair. Really? Yeah, honestly. Is it not because you had a mullet? 
It could have been anybody, but I had blonde hair as well. Really I was the only mullet. kid in my old class who had blonde hair, so he used to call me Striker. He was the only kid who had a mullet. Yeah, that was cool at the time. He used to come back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, if you're in prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, in 1969, um, Jerry Anderson began production of a new TV series, and this was to be a uh, UFO. It was uh, their first full live-action television series. It starred uh, American-born actor Edward <laughs> I love the way I put in brackets Ed Bishop uh, yeah Ed, uh, Ed Bishop um, he also provided the voice of Captain Blue in uh, Captain oh. Scarlet and the Mr. Winter. at least we got uh, that one there it was uh, Edward Straker head of a secret defence organisation set up to counter an alien invasion uh, he was decidedly more adult in uh, tone yeah. than any of the public series and he mixed the classic Century 21 uh, 21st sorry, futuristic action adventure and special effects with some very serious dramatic elements uh, UFO was moderately successful on its first release but built up a strong cult following over the years only 26 episodes were made of yeah that's one of them things you thought it went for right because it was always on wasn't it it was mm. repeated so recently it was always repeated yeah I mean I, I think it was more colourful and had more of a, a something about it than, uh, yeah, than we, any others really yeah he just, I don't know he had quite a bit of, he did have that sense of there was a sense of dread to the whole show because they were constantly fighting mm. Aliens, or whatever you want to call them in it, because you, you know, whatever. The, they were always fighting, and he, and he never got anywhere every week. There'd be a new one. I thought, well, I remember thinking, what a brilliant idea for a show. Is it? And I thought, honestly, I thought it was about 50 episodes of that. Now, he, the next uh, um, episode after that, before I play the theme tune, uh, because there's not a lot to talk about it, really. Um, in fact, I'm not going to play the theme tune because it's a rubbish theme tune. It's, uh, you know, Avenues and Alleyways by. Um, you might have did on the way to Amarillo. Oh, uh, Tony Christie. Tony Christie. That's a theme tune to it. Is it? Do you want to hear that? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I was watching the audience. You don't get to hear it. Yeah, yeah, this was called The Protector. It ran for 52 episodes. This was actually quite a long one, from 72 to 1974. Uh, it started Robert Vaughan, of course, most well-known for his role at that point in uh, Man from Uncle, Uncle, and of course, um, Man yeah, uh, Anderson and Vaughan did not get on at all. Uh-huh. There was quite a bit of tension between uh, between those two, uh, and ironically, that's uh, that's probably the most um, episode ever made for for the series that they I, did. I don't though. know that one that well. It's not. It's. I don't think it's ever been repeated. Uh, although it is available on uh, on DVD, mm-hmm. if you want to go and pick it up, I wouldn't if I was you. Uh, the ep- series after that, and we're going to play the theme tune. Is Space nineteen ninety nine. The theme tune to um, Space 1999 there starred uh, Martin Lando in the uh, the main role. Um, again, this was something that I only uh, vaguely remember. I mean, this was uh, actually this was probably the first thing that was produced when we, we were born. Uh, uh, we were two actually when it was uh, when it came out from 95 to 19. 19- 77. I'll just give a, a brief synopsis of it, and then you can talk about it because you like yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. you're a big fan of it. Um, Space 1999. There was 48 episodes in this. Uh, it was an ITC Entertainment um, production, which is obviously Lou Grade there. Thing. Uh, it's a British science fiction television series. In the series, a nuclear waste from Earth is stored on the Moon. The waste explodes in a catastrophe <laughs> in a big accident yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on the 13th of September 1999, which knocks the Moon out of its orbit and send it yeah. and the 311 <laughs> inhabitants of the moon base yeah. Alpha hurtling uncontrollably into outer space now there's a few things there <laughs> that's that, why that I like that happen. story keeps <laughs> it in reality oh, well, yeah <laughs> that's what I like about that story gritty and down to earth <laughs> literally down to well down to well, yeah, yeah that, a great uh, story so uh, what, what was it that you liked about space I can tell t- it sums up my, I don't know the name of the episode I'm not such a nerd when I know every single episode but one of my favourite episodes it was a fantastic episode Nerd. there was a fantastic episode and this sums up really why well, I liked it where they were travelling through your, you know trying to get back to Earth as you do mm. and this uh, driving group, the moon should we say oh yeah, dri- yeah well, that sounds weird doesn't it you're kind of driving the moon right and they met up with this alien species and they said they could um, give them uh, eternal life mm. 
but you found out that they could give them eternal life, but they had to spend it in a coffin. In the oh, last right. episode, is the bloke left them to, he wanted because he wanted this eternal life, and he left it, yeah, and left yeah. it. He, you know, he uh, buggered all his mates off, and he, he right. you know, he went onto their ship. He crept onto the ship, <laughs> and he thought he got away with it, and said, "Yeah, you can have eternal life, but it's in a coffin." Oh, and right. at the end, he was in a glass coffin, and that was the only place you could get eternal life. Oh, that's quite scary. Now, when I, when I first saw that, I thought, "No, this is my kind of sci-fi," <laughs> and, and I remember thinking that was really, really grim. And that, I think that was the tone of it. Yet again, it was desperation. Yeah. I like anything with a sense of desperation in it, where mm. you've got no options left, and he, you know, he chose to do that and he couldn't leave it then that was the point of the thing he couldn't go back on so it so why was it a coffin was it just a no was that, was. was that why that kept them alive that was kept them alive they come from a planet like they were eternal but only these gases and their planet blew up <clears> and the gases in these glass coffins pretty, but he didn't know that pretty brave really for a, um, mm. a programme especially when you think about that Jerry Erson most well known for doing yeah. children's and, TV and I think Space, Space 1999 isn't it really was, a children's TV it's an adult yeah program. it was yeah. but you know it was watched by like, you know kids like myself I think this is the, the breakaway for Jerry Anderson Space 1999 I think, I think you should have gone down that room I really well, do I mean, we've got about four other things to talk about now for what he did before we play yeah. a comic and I'll tell you what about Space Lord, I had fantastic vehicles and gadgets in it now you know one of the remember things remember the gun remember that yeah the gun yeah, 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 yeah. that's not really good on the radio what we talk about there but well, they're showing you <laughs> 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 on the radio on the airwaves internet waves I actually remember the um the spaceship that was almost like yeah. a ship made of girders wasn't it yeah it was brilliant and that was one of my I, I, no, I don't think it was was my first ever toy but it was one of the first things that had to stick in my it was mind big, that I think toys, everyone, had, yeah. everyone had one of those little crafts didn't they and yeah. I, I what year was that uh, that was 1975 75 to 77 so it'd been the year that we would have been bought these yeah. these things well, and, yeah, and Star and, Wars well, well, had, yeah of course Star Wars had come out uh, after the end of uh, yeah, yeah. 77 for that to come out um, before it's time to a certain degree then really, and I tell you it's still repeated now on, in England mm. well it is it's on uh, Bravo and ITV I appreciate, I appreciate Space 1999 uh, more now yeah. than when I did when I was yeah young. and I tell you what it's got great production values as well yeah. and all the women have got really funky wigs in it as well all the women look really <laughs> hot in it and all the men are really cool I mean, that's exactly what I want from the sci-fi I've just realised as well that my voice is starting to go not away. again <laughs> yeah, it is isn't it <laughs> this is actually the second part of this as, uh, as last week we uh, we started and uh, my, yeah. unfortunately I lost my voice and I appear to be losing it again so let's to crack on uh, before August pair shaved yeah. <laughs> uh, with the next one which is Terrorhawks Terrorhawks stay on this channel this is an emergency Okay, Terror Hawks theme tune now. There's a big jump here from uh, Jerry Anderson. There was a, a bit of a gap. This was from 1983 to uh, 1984. Now, set in the year 2020, again, there's a, the problem with um, dating your programme. Yeah, of course, we are up. literally you know, only yeah. 11 years away. We're looking at Space 1999. We're miles out there, Well, a classic example as well for that was um, uh, I listened to... Uh, the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast this week because uh, this is dating our podcast now but, uh, mm. and, uh, and uh, Rico was talking about Back to the Future now you think Back to the Future um, 1985 I think I'm sure when they go into the future it's something like only like 2015 yeah. or something yeah, like yeah. that and they've got hoverboards and, yeah. and of course flying cars yeah. and without going into Clark's mode uh, or Clark's mode um, you know what is it's, it with flying cars where people think what am I going to get a flying car so, yeah uh, the, the Terrorhawks set in the year 2020 the series followed the adventures of the Terrorhawks a task force response for protecting Earth from the invasion by a group of extraterrestrial androids and ends led by Zelda. Uh, like Anderson's previous public series, futuristic vehicles and technology featured promptly in each episode. Now, obviously, this is where we started secondary school, so it was quite a big well, children's big, yeah. TV thing. Um, what stands out for you with Terrorhawks? Windsor Davis. Windsor Davis. <laughs> now, Win- yeah. Windsor Davis was the voice of the. Um, 
Now he was the voice of the. He was the um that round the uh, round, weren't yeah. they? Because it was like um, Noughts and Crosses, Noughts and Crosses the, the, which is called Tic Tac Toe. Yeah, he was there, did it in the merit at the end of it. They were playing, and every oh, week he'd different, wouldn't it? One, yeah. one week the one would win, and then the other week one win. Where the episode had gone, oh, I remember that. That's <laughs> it. That's what I remember from the rest. And uh, Zelda, who was Zelda. really uh, an was ugly it? looking uh, thing. I don't know. We used to work with somebody who looked like Zelda, but we're not going to mention her name. No, we're very not. Not. Now the next thing we're going to talk about is actually my yeah, you love this ultimate favourite thing that Jerry Anderson has ever produced. We don't have the theme tune to it, um, but we do have a little bit of a sample of what um, what the, uh, the the episode is like. Uh, so let's just play that. Name Spanner, Dick Spanner, private investigator. It was midnight. The streets were empty. It had been raining cats and dogs. Now it was just raining. It was a kind of night I just knew nothing was going to happen. It's the wrong guy. It was time to hit the sack. The sharp stab of pain made me realize it was a dumb move. So I headed for my office in a crummy block on the east side of the wrong side. I took the elevator up to the 14th floor. My office is on the 15th, but that's another story. Got the wonderful uh, uh, sample there from Dick Spanner, P.I. Now, uh, I just love this because it's... Um, that's what double entendre yeah. there's different leaders it was everything. really short wasn't it the really short episodes they were they? yeah uh, let's, let's give the synopsis for everyone here now Dick Spanner P.I. was a 1986 British oh, stop yeah. motion animation comedy series uh, obviously done by uh, Joe Anderson uh, voiced by um, Shane Rimmer who now Shane Rimmer did virtually every uh, Jerry Anderson thing he's most well known in fact we saw him at the memorabilia fair yeah. he's most well known for being in a few Bond films uh, yeah, I don't think it was Live and Let Die. You know the one with the submarines? Um, um, yeah, that's... Um, Fjord, no, um, Spy Love Me. Spy Love uh, The commander of the submarine. You know, in the, the woman's in any... You've never seen a woman before? That's Shane oh. Rimmer. He's actually appeared in quite a few uh, uh, Bond stuff. Uh, now, uh, Dick Spanner was a, uh, a, a almost like a robot... Um, yeah, what was uh, it? Like books? a robot detective. He's classed as Chandler-esque. This is, I don't know where that's got come from, that Chandler-esque. Uh, well, I suppose you've got, like, the, you've got the, you know, the, some, you, the idea of a gumshoe is a Chandler doing all them original things. But mm. I suppose it's Chandler-esque just because it's a private eye. Oh, yeah, you know, that's yeah, Chandler-esque. Yeah. Uh, robotic private detective who works cases in futuristic urban setting. The show made frequent uses of puns and uh, visual gags. Uh, uh, the series consisted of actually 22... Uh, six mini episodes uh, covering that, two story arcs uh, of equivalent the case of the human cannonball which is the one that I've got yeah. um, it's the only one I've actually seen and the case of Maltese Falcon which I think you can actually get on uh, YouTube uh, the programme was originally broadcast in the UK as a segment on a Sunday morning show called Network 7 that on was a great 4. show that was stuff, yeah, and, uh, it was later repeated on the same channel in a late night spot which is actually what I originally yeah, saw yeah. and I don't know if you remember me uh, as I used to so we was at school yeah. and uh, going on about it and I had the video for us to watch uh, yeah, I, uh, I remember you, 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 were, you were mad for that yeah you were, you were. really really good stuff so I, I, out of all of them I'd say if you get a chance to go back uh, then go onto YouTube and just the type ba- are, they, are they on YouTube they, they are, they bound to they be are on YouTube and I think there is uh, I think there's a region 1 DVD of the two stories uh, you can get the video which See, is it's mad I've to got, think about that because if that was around now the internet's the perfect medium for them small 6 minute episodes oh, it's the perfect medium yeah, for them and it was just so clever in everything yeah. they did, but it, um, you know, he just didn't get, didn't, nah. didn't get down to it. He ain't gonna well. do it now. He ain't gonna do it now. Oh, <laughs> no, I suppose not. No. Um, okay, so after Dick Spanner, we've got um, two other things to talk about. It was um, Space Precinct. Uh, there was 24 episodes of this from 94 to mm-hmm. 95. Uh, I'm not going to play the theme tune to that because we're already on to um, 45 minutes of this. So uh, Now, I don't know anything about this, so I'm actually going to prove my uh, ignorance here because um, uh, I, I simply don't know, but I'll, I'll talk about it. No, I remember that. I remember it. Do you remember it? Yeah, I, yeah, don't, because I it was, know it was on BBC 2. 
uh, and it was like a uh, UFO where it was a mix of live action and uh, there was a few little you know a bit of puppets and was, was, it, was, it, or like, was it just people wearing masks no no there was, pu- was there was puppets in it yeah there was I've seen pictures of it yeah, yeah there was yeah, it was yeah, a bit yeah. of load there was lots of things involved in it and I think that was the the old expression the um, the bigger the brush the broader the strokes and you right. miss a, you miss a lot of things and I think oh, he tried yeah. to mix a lot of things in there for a lot of different people but when you you appeal to no one mm. no one watches it and, yeah. and I think that's the problem do you think this, this was made for more of a American TV yeah, it, no, it, it was it was there it was quite flashy and it was quite but it just didn't have the production values for an American yeah, it, just, it didn't. Yeah. You know, I mean, it works when it's in Britain. You think because you know we our TV is crap and we don't spend money on things. But <laughs> you know, if that was in a, if that was an American, they would have had a few more. But yeah. would have a few. More I mean, is, I think this is the thing. The important thing that I should point out about Waffle on where um, we will admit we'll more than like Cal knows, but I don't know much about Spruce Springs at all, and we're more than happy to put our hands up. Yeah. We don't know about it. The idea is that you then. Yeah, we never said we're experts. Oh no, no, no. Oh, the 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 bit I've got right in front of me because the series is set in the year twenty forty, so at least I learned a lesson for that. Starred American actor Ted Shackelford as former New York police detective Patrick Brogan, now a lieutenant with the uh, Demeter City Police Force and the planet Altar. Brogan and his partner Jack Hardin, played by Rob Youngblood, must adjust to living in another solar system and investigating crimes being committed by aliens as well as humans. I might go and check that out, actually. Yeah, but you'll be... be And it's it's very... It's very kiddie. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it's for kids. But I've got no problem with that, Mm. but, you know, you're not going to get much from it. It, it, it Just it weren't around for a long time, either. I guess, I mean, after that, we've got a a couple of things to mention um, just to round off Jerry Anderson before we play... We've got a, a... a comment that's come in uh, was Lavender Castle which was uh, 7th of January 1999 to uh, 9th of March 2000 it was only 26 episodes of this it was 10 minutes each uh, Lavender Castle was a British stop motion CGI television series created by Rodney Matthews but produced uh, by Jerry Anderson and it produced between uh, 96 and 98 oh, it was produced between 96 and 98 so, um, you know it was broadcast later on uh, Cosgrove Hall Films comes up with this which again is what I was saying earlier yeah. on I, I really do like Cosgrove Hall and we're going to do a programme all about them yeah. uh, in about six months time um, yeah the series followed the story of Captain Thrice and his crew and the quest to find the peaceful city to have lavender city before the evil Dr. Agon you know I, I don't know anything about it's a terrible name though yeah. I don't call anything lavender city it's like really some no. kind of coded thing <laughs> 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 now um I say you talked earlier on about the new Captain Scott, which is the CGI uh, version. Nah, which, uh, it, it, that came out actually in uh, in two thousand and five. Um, oh, no. I saw some of that. Actually, I didn't think that was too bad, but it didn't have the quality. Did, of no, the it just stuff. didn't have the. I don't know something about it. Be, it like I said before, it become very generic. Then it become like a lot of other stuff. And the thing that made Captain Scott because it was very different. Yeah, I know loads of people were using the puppets and stuff, but it just looked a bit different and. The faces were serious, and yeah, you know yes. what I mean. All the characters with well, which, which begs the shot in shadows. If you, if you do that in CGI. You're going to have things shot in shadows, and the faces look real. On Earth, don't you just do it for real? Yeah, production costs, I suppose, as well. Yeah, I, it's, it's one of them weird things. Why? Why? I know we're going back, and why, why Captain Scarlet was never made into a film? Mm. I suppose because it was very British. I, I understand that. I, I, you know, I know it weren't. It did have a massive fan base around the no. world, did it? It just didn't. Okay, well, before we uh, end this, there's about three people who um, I should point out. We actually saw Jerry Anderson as well at the NAC, and I remember really fair. Jerry Anderson? Yeah, really How old was he then? Well, he's still, still alive. Is he still alive? Yeah. Um, there's a couple of people um, who uh, we should mention uh, who stand out, really, in uh, the world of Jerry Anderson, and uh, that's his ex-wife, um, Sylvia, who voiced quite a lot of the female parts and is also the key to some of the designs and success of the shows. Uh, the other, again, as we said earlier on, was um, Shane Rimmer. Uh, the last nod, uh, we did mention him earlier on, uh, goes to the brilliant Derek Meddings, uh, mm. um, not only because of his surname's fantastic, but because uh, of fact he did all the special effects with regard to UFO and went mm. on to be a key uh, effects maestro in all of the uh, well, majority of the James Bond yeah, films. And um, from the man with the golden gun up to Goldeneye, uh, he also did Batman, Superman 1, 2, and 3, did uh, Krull, Spies Like Us, oh, uh, to name but a few. Unfortunately, uh, Derek uh, passed away in um, 1995. We've got a comet uh, coming. Comet. <laughs> you, you've got to think about it. What do you think about um, Team America then? I know we've mentioned it, but do you, now this is very interesting. This is mm. because they saw it as a, as a nice homage. 
I think, think it's a fantastic well, camo. I know that a lot of fan Gene Runbury fans, Gene Runbury. Gene Runbury. <laughs> that's what I'm, yeah, I'm thinking is dead, you know. I've got that on my brain. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, didn't like it because I thought that he didn't, but he loved it. You know, they mm. loved it. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's I mean, it's well. a fantastic, it's a fantastic. Film. Oh, it is it's so well uh, done. It's one of them things you think, oh, this looks really, really easy. Mm. But you look at the puppets in it, stuff like the camels and stuff. They're amazing. Well, they are amazing. Well. It's just brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. You know, one of my top five comedies of them easily. Well, I think could, beautifully done as well. They could easily have. I think they got away with an awful lot by yeah. using puppets. The sex scene, well. the most insane <laughs> sex scene ever I've ever saw, and it's with puppets. Mm. It's the brilliant, brilliant. Oh, I love that film, I do. Okay, so we'll uh, play our comment that um, someone very kindly sent in. This is Rob Scalise, and Rob was the person who did the remix of the cool. uh, Waffle On that theme cool. tune. So uh, here's the comment from Rob. Hey Meds and Kel, this is Rob in Orlando, Florida, USA, and I'm here just to give you a brief audio comment on the works of Jerry Anderson and his collaborators. I began watching these shows purely by accident. I was flipping my dial around in New York, as you'll, as anybody that was around then remembers, you had a dial that only went from 2 to 13, and maybe only half of those stations actually worked on air, and I hit upon WPIX, which was uh, channel number 11 in New York. City, and apparently they were an independent station that uh, got these uh, shows from ITC and were showing them in the States to us children. And uh, I was just absolutely glued to the television from that point on. The reason being, as a young boy, I was really into puppets. I, I dare say I was a puppeteer. I had built a lot of my own puppets. I had made hand puppets. My father then would take me to stores in New York, bless his soul, to buy me small marionettes. And even one time he bought me a ventriloquist dummy for uh, Jerry Mahoney. And uh, he also built me a small puppeteer stage. And I would put on puppet shows, both hand and string, because the stage was reversible Some Sometimes it would go down for the string puppets or I could flip it upside down and get underneath so I could do hand puppet shows. So it really caught my attention because here to me as a young boy was the ultimate marionette show. I had never seen anything on that scale. In As a young boy in my elementary school, they had a performance from these wandering bands of marionette artists who did a performance of the story of Aladdin's Lamp. And the only live actor was the person that played the genie and everybody else was very very small marionettes and I was always fascinated by the puppets and the art so you can understand that when Jerry Anderson's show came on I was just completely enthralled and I just loved watching the show and of course the first show that I saw was Supercar with Supercar I just loved the characters Mike Mercury Dr. Beaker Professor Popkiss Jimmy Mitch the monkey and of course Mester Spy and uh, after that soon after that on Saturday mornings on another channel, they started to show the Fireball XL5 series. I believe that was on WNEW television uh, with Steve Zodiac and Venus and Lieutenant 90 and Professor Maddock and of course his great robot Robert. Uh, later came Stingray and Troy Tempest and Captain Scarlet, which was really kind of more of an adult theme kind of show the way it was, it was much more serious than the other shows. And of course it was also one of the few shows in color. And and uh, later on, of course, everybody knows, and I'm sure that you'll get into meds, is the Thunderbirds. Uh, oddly enough, I did not watch the Thunderbirds. I had gotten, by the time the Thunderbirds began to air, I had gotten a bit older and started to get interested in girls. But I remember one of my first girlfriend's little sister would walk around the house with her hands propped behind her back saying, Thunderbirds, Thunderbirds. And I was like, what is that? And uh, one day we sat down and we watched a show and I said, oh, I know these people. And I began to to tell them about Supercar and the other shows that had come on earlier. So, needless to say, Jerry Anderson was a very large part of a couple of years of my childhood. It really captured my imagination. I love the whole concept of what he called Super Marionation, and it really was. It really was Super marionette performances and it was just an amazing amazing feat that he performed out of that from what i understand was a small airplane hanger and uh, meds i'm very very interested to hear about the member of your family that was involved so uh please tell us about it i'll leave you to get into the other details of the shows but i just wanted to take a few minutes to 
tell you, I, for one, as a lad here in the States, just love the work of Jerry Anderson and his collaborators. And of course, later on, when I got into music, I began to get interested in the music of Mr. Barry Gray. It had to be maybe the late 1980s or early 1990s. I had seen one of the shows in rerun on television, and I started to hear the music. And I think it was in the mid-90s, I kind of went on a binge on the internet trying to find out all that I could about Barry Gray. And I downloaded so much of the music cues that someone had made available on a small website and ended up studying a lot of how he did his arrangements and how he put music together, mostly concentrating on horns. But he also seemed to have an ear for the popular music of the time and uh, ended up uh, both on Stingray and on Fireball XL5 using the theme at the end of the show as a pop tune. So there was a lot that has really uh, interested me about Jerry Anderson and his collaborators uh, in more than one time in my life, and it continues to be a source of great entertainment and wonderful memories. So this is Rob in Orlando, Florida, USA, signing off, FAB. Okay, thanks, Rob, for um, that comment. That was sure awesome. that was, but sure that Vincent Price. I'll tell you what, he's got an amazing, he's got, I'll tell you what, he's got an amazing Vincent Price voice. <laughs> Fair, I, I love Vincent Price, but to, to our ears, it's Vincent Price. <laughs> God, it does, that's a good thing, but my God. And be, I, I mean it. Have you, <laughs> have you not mentioned someone on here? Someone's missing from this podcast. Who is it? David Frost. Where is he? Okay. Tenious Link. Oh, God. <laughs> now, there's been quite a few parodies of uh, Jerry Anderson work, and uh, one of them was done by Peter Cook and Dudley Moore. Uh, and they did a, a big sketch called Super Thunder Sting Car. And uh, that's the connection to David Frost. There you go. Uh, yeah, well, thanks, there, Rob. Uh, Rob mentioned the music of Barry Gray there. But, uh, yeah, he did uh, the, uh, his most famous score of the Thunderbirds, and uh, he did Stingray, Fireball XL5, Joe Knighty, and Captain Scarlet. <clears throat> and he also did some for UFO and Space 1999. Uh, Gray was born in Lancashire in England, and uh, he passed away in, uh, in 19... Four. So uh, thanks, Rob, for the uh, that comment there, and also for the fantastic remix of our theme yeah. tune. Much appreciated there. Um, that's it for this show. We've uh, got it under an hour, <laughs> and uh, and uh, we hope to see you all uh, next month. Well, whenever we put this out. Yeah. Uh, so take care, everyone, and we'll see you all soon. Cheers, bye. He is starting to quote Star Wars, and, and he does it in character. Like, he quoted Luke Skywalker recently when my uh, SUV broke down in the Target parking lot, oh, no. and it was such a pain in the rear to fix it, and David had to have it towed, because, I mean, he's a pretty good mechanic, but he couldn't fix this problem, not Aww. in the parking lot. So, But later on our way home, we were just so exhausted. It was like 9 o'clock at night, and we're on our way home after him crawling around under this SUV in the parking lot and getting his nice business clothes all oily and everything he still retained the humor enough to turn to me halfway home and say uncle owen this r2 unit has a bad motivator and i said uh, hey what are you trying to push on me you know you just earned your geek cred right there that's by a little quoting bit star wars cred. yeah definitely <laughs> he just laughed what would have been really funny is if while he was working on it you should have been like would it help if i got out and pushed <laughs> <laughs> i could have but at that moment probably not a good idea not a good idea <laughs> I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And when you're not listening to this glorious podcast, we would love to have you listen to ours, the Anomaly Podcast. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. Hi, this is Rick Moyer. And when I'm not listening to Waffle On, I'm producing my own podcast. And here's a shameless plug for it. Are you ready? If you like geeky TV, if you like science fiction, if you like life in general, and you want to be encouraged every week, join me for Take Him With You, the weekly podcast that's spiritual, not religious. Nobody's going to force you to believe any certain way. You can just enjoy being encouraged and listen to some crazy stories and some fun music every week. So join me. After you're done with Waffle On, tune in 
go over to TakeHimWithYou.com, click on the iTunes, and download away. TakeHimWithYou.com. I'm Barry Scott. Ooh, that was a bit noisy. Hello, this is a promo for the Flashing Blade podcast. I'm Tony, and this is my plucky girl assistant, Joe. Hello. That was a bit breathy, Kensington Miss, wasn't it? Hello. Anyway, um, what, what, what do we do? What do we talk about? Oh, we talk about stuff and things. And things? Yeah. In equal yeah, measures. Stuff and things. Doctor Who, science fiction, all sorts of silly stuff like that, but mainly Doctor Who, because it's my obsession. I'm the ancient wise one, and Joe knows, well, bugger all really about it. I'm the plucky one, apparently, <laughs> allegedly. Yes, she's very, very, very plucky. We get Joe's completely fresh views on all sorts of things to do with Doctor Who, and my ancient, ingrained, indefinable magic views. Um, so that's the Flashing Blade podcast, available from www.flashingblade.org.uk, iTunes podcast. Ali, blah, 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 blah. That's the end of this promo. Toodles. Bye. Greetings, guildies. I'm Kenny. And I'm Jenny. When you're not checking out the Waffle On podcast, why don't you check out Knights of the Guild, the official fan podcast for the web series The Guild. Each month, we'll bring you the latest news about the Guild cast, including what projects they're working on and what conventions they'll be attending. Also, we'll be updating you on the current season. We'll talk about some behind-the-scenes fun of Season 2. As well as having cast, crew, and fan interviews. So head over to iTunes and subscribe to Knights of the Guild. Or go to our website for a direct download at knightsoftheguild.podbean.com. Zaboo! (laughs) All history is crap. Not my words, the words of Harrison T. Ford, inventor of the motor car and black paint. But was he right? Yes, but we've no way of knowing. Because here in the 23rd century, all the historians are dead. Hello, I'm Phil Hayes, and I'm speaking to you from the future. When I'm not reviewing important historical documents like the Waffle On podcast, I'm presenting a video podcast called The News at Then, bringing you all the latest live from history. In your time zone, you can find our reports on something called the Internet. So go to that part of the Internet called newsatthen.com. That's N-E-W-S-A-T-T-H-E-N dot com. The News at Then, working around the clock 2510 to bring history to life. But not like a zombie. That would be hideous.